0: For Two Parents on Pictures podcast, I'm Damien. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every episode is we take something from a popular streaming platform and we review it, basically. Uh, these platforms usually tend to be Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Amazon Prime. We've done the odd YouTube now and then as well, because you get some featured stuff up on there. But Sam, what do we have this episode? So this episode, we have
1: Con Air from 1997. And uh, the uh, the IMDb synopsis reads... Newly paroled ex-con and former U.S. Ranger Cameron Poe finds himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane when the passengers seize control. And oh, uh, yeah. and we were just saying at the start, this is um, this is on Disney Plus, and I think it's come on as a result of the new Star service that they have, which has opened up kind of the boundaries for some more, uh I guess, adult-focused entertainment, shall we say. Uh, for older uh, older viewers and um, i'd imagine it might be one that you might kind of glance over if you haven't seen it before it does look like a typical 90s action movie um yeah we'll we'll discuss whether or not it's worth um a second look
0: yeah um Um, so absolutely right from 97 it is of course starring nicholas cage um who is more known for his more crazy roles these days um a huge mixture of good and bad stuff i mean i'm looking forward to one of his upcoming uh films which is um now i forget the exact name of the film i'm just looking at now because uh, i'm a little bit tired today so this might happen quite a bit where i forget <laughs> what exactly it is that i'm looking for um but he plays um it's, it's basically in Willy wonka's oh what is it what is it the internet's not working fast enough come here
1: <laughs> Willie's
0: Wonderland Willie's right. Wonderland where it's um, he, he's, gonna, he's a drifter and he's, he's uh, put to work in a wonderland and all the toys come alive and try to kill him um, so yeah you know that's the type of thing that you expect these days from Nick Cage and you've got things like Mandy but something that we were just about to get into but we thought we'd save it beforehand is that this is back when John Cusack had a career he was good uh, he was in one of my favorite films of all time, which is High Fidelity, and he is in a whole host of other great stuff from the '90s. And then his his career kind of goes off a cliff a little bit. So Sam, what happened to Cusack, man?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But I know. I I would I would say he is he's integral to to this movie. I think wh- whether they are good performances or not. There are certainly some key people in this who I don't know if I could imagine this movie without these actors playing these characters. So, yeah, John 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 Kuzak playing the uh, uh, what was it, Agent Vince Larkin, the sort of the cocky um, uh, cocky agent who's going to solve the whole the whole thing, and um, and then uh, the the big villain John Malkovich as Cyrus the virus.
0: I mean, these names just, are awesome, aren't great. they?
1: You can tell where we're going with this, and then obviously yeah. uh, Nick Cage with the the long hair, the the, the southern, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get the right accent, but the southern states accent. In, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's some real, some real over the top acting going now, on here. Of
0: course, I think the, the the big one here is Steve Buscemi, who plays uh, well. He plays an absolute psycho. It's a riff on Hannibal Lecter. Um, And we'll get on to his introduction later. But um, Steve Buscemi plays this part really nicely. And for those Star Trek fans out there, given that we did Star Trek not all that long ago, you'll instantly uh, recognize Cole Meany, um, who played uh, a Star Trek character in both The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He played Chief O'Brien. So, yeah, there's a little one for you. Now, what I like is that John Cusack and Cole Meany they play off of each other throughout the whole film. Um, Colmeeny is like the, the dude who comes in and you know, sports car and is always putting John Cusack's character down and all this that and the other. And um, he, he's he's kind of like there just to really make John Cusack look smart. Let's be fair, uh, his whole kind of thing is this is what we're gonna do and this is how we're gonna do it. And John Cusack's like, no, you're all idiots, you've got to do it this way instead because of XYZ, and of course. Um, Agent Vince Larkin turns out to be absolutely correct, and uh, Agent Duncan uh, Malloy, who is uh, Minnie's character, is uh, is essentially just a moron throughout most of this. But he does it really, really well. He's so enjoyable to watch in this role.
1: I think one thing I would say from straight from from the start is if you are looking for subtext, there is no subtext in this film everything is on the nose. It is it's played exactly as it as it is. Um yeah, you, you even we're talking about sort of those characters in the introductions. It, every character they, they almost they almost should have stats coming up on the screen next <laughs> to them and you've got the voiceover of this guy's done this and here's this guy and he's done the we've got a real bunch of crooks getting on this plane. Um, but it, it I think it works. It, it really does.
0: Uh, I mean, like you, say, the, the... you Sorry, you, I, I apologise to cut you off, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's I think it's a Jerry Bruckheimer production, and, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer is responsible, shall we say, for a lot of early Bay stuff. And you can see it here as well. Big explosions, massive set pieces, all action-orientated. Um, and then when it comes to, like, the deep... Characters, there aren't any. Um, <laughs> there just aren't any. It's like this guy's a killer, this guy's a killer, and that guy's the good guy. And if you didn't know that it was a good guy, we're going to ram it down your throat until you understand that this is the good guy. I mean, I think it's it, it's important to note that. The reason that Cameron Poe is um, sent on this prison in the first place is because he's on his way home. He's just done a long, long stretch in prison. But even the way that he got there was set up to set uh, Cameron Poe up as the good guy. It's like he shouldn't have mm. been in prison, uh, arguably speaking. And they, they—I know it's Hollywood, but they make up this absolute BS about how uh, in the beginning of the film. You know, he's, he's um, just gotten out of the services. I think he's just come back from a war. I forget specifically. And um, he comes back to his uh, his pregnant girlfriend. I don't think they're married. Uh, they might be. It's, it's not important. What is important is that, you know, she's pregnant, and we've got these guys who are harassing her, and then they meet them outside the bar, and uh, they get into a fight. And, of course... Cameron Poe being a bit of a veteran knows how to fight and ends up killing one of these guys. And then in court, it's like, you know, because you know, special skills, blah, blah, you, the normal self-defense doesn't apply to you. So we're sending (laughs) you to prison. First off, that's total BS. Doesn't exist. Um, You know, it, it kind of falls into the tropes of well, lethal weapon back in the day. If you remember um, if you go back that far with the whole lethal weapon series, um, he gets his name and I'm, I'm I'm totally blanking on the actor Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson gets his name the lethal weapon because he knows martial arts and it's like there was this whole thing back in martial arts where it's like if you had special training you had to declare your hands as lethal weapons, all of this is crap, it's all rubbish <laughs> so the fact that Cameron Poe is sent to prison in the first place, total crock of rubbish but it sets up the rest of the film so just let it go, it'll be right. <laughs>
1: And I think it's fair to say that Cameron Poe has zero character development in the film. <laughs> he is exactly the same person in the, at the start as he is at the end. He makes all the moral the morally correct, correct decisions at every turn. Like you say, he's he's the he's the the you know the right guy in the wrong place at the right time um to, to you know to to stick up for the for the little guy to protect protect the women. To, you know to do all this um yeah uh, it is it is literally it is it's like a in that sense it's like a two dimensional kind of video game character like just an avatar that you are guiding through these situations
0: absolutely now, and i'm
1: not saying that necessarily as a critique because i don't think you come to this movie for i don't know introspection and for you know the characters learning about themselves (laughs) you know they're just gonna punch stuff and shoot things and
0: yeah i mean the one the one thing that does change he gets some development but it's not character and that's his hairstyle because it goes from um, yeah because you know it's that classic trope in films where if you want to show the passage of time then you show somebody's hair getting longer because it's the fastest way of doing that. And that's exactly what they do here. Uh, he has short hair, then he's put t- into prison. By the time he gets onto the plane, uh, he has long hair. And uh, yeah, that's about as deep as this film gets, really. And
1: to be fair, I mean, I don't know if we've seen him. I don't think he had the same uh, um, uh, hair transformation, but Nick Cage has done, a, I guess, a redo of, of this uh, trope because in kick ass his character was imprisoned for a crime that he didn't commit and then he his character really did change in that story because then he obviously turned into a, a psychopath dressed as as Batman or <laughs> something like that. So yeah so he has he has he can he can do it differently but yeah um that is that is very much what we get and, and I guess in terms of in terms of plot um it, it is it is really just Kind of action set piece after action set piece, um, in terms of them taking the taking the plane and then the sequence where they they, uh, they land at the abandoned air, airfield and then you get the sequences there and the all those pieces. It is it is very much kind of just a sort of a jigsaw puzzle of. Big explosions and big action pieces. I wouldn't say there's not many points where it lets up on the um on the intensity and sort of the high octane action, uh,
0: which is which is absolutely awesome. When you consider the film, inclusive of credits, of course, is an hour and fifty five minutes long, so it's it's down there a two hour film, and at no stage does it feel like it's going slow. And I think that is literally because they've set it up as as you kind of spoke about earlier, it is it almost plays out like a video game. This is level one, then you're going to move on to level two, and it's just moving between action mm. pieces. Um, this kind of falls into the realm of it's Die Hard in, in the sense that Speed was Die Hard in a bus, um, and this is Die Hard in a plane. It's the same thing. You've got all the bad guys trapped in a plane, uh, and, you you know, you your one character who's against the bad guys. It is just Die Hard in another, in another setting. And there was a few of these films coming out in the 90s because obviously the Die Hard was really big back in the 80s. It's one of the, the biggest action pieces that was around. And so it got, it got copied in one format or another for absolutely ages. And I would imagine that you don't have to look too far to find Die Hard in something else, um, kind of, you know, in, in more recent history as well. Mm. so it but i I that again that's not a critique um yeah you know these action set pieces are really well done it's back in the day where everything almost everything was practically done and so what you were seeing was actually what was there as opposed to cgi monstrosities
1: yeah yeah and i think yeah there's definitely some some there, there are some not necessarily twists but there are some kind of mini some some parts where you could like for example where they discover that there's actually a bomb in cyrus's um cell and uh, which uh, blows everything to kingdom come those little bits where you know it's not that you, you you don't see it coming but it adds up just a tiny bit of you know some something coming out of the blue or whatever i think the there are certainly some some scenes that Stand out to me as kind of the the iconic ones. The 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 shootout in the um, sort of the the, the, the I, I don't know what you'd call it. It's kind of like the junkyard next to the the um, mm. airstrip that they land. Yeah, that is a, That is a that's a, a classic, a, a classic moment. Um, and uh, I think again, going back to those character introductions uh, when they're all um, sort of uh, coming onto the uh, uh, coming onto the plane. That again sticks out. And you mentioned earlier about um uh uh Steve Buscemi's character. Oh. <laughs> it makes me laugh now, but obviously him is uh, Garland Green, yeah. Uh, who's this uh serial killer that they've got with them that they all they're all, you know, hardened <laughs> criminals, but they're all terrified of him. Which is fabulous.
0: Uh, I mean and, and it, sorry, carry on. Yeah.
1: I was going to say that again another really on the nose moment when he sort of wanders off and finds himself in that kind of trailer park with this little girl and it's kind of oh no oh no is he going to murder her and for some reason he just doesn't just I don't know
0: I I think that was probably probably a lot to do with the fact that that would not have fit in the tone of this film. A child murder in in a film like this. Because let's be fair, even though they're hardened criminals, this is an action Mm. film. It's not a thriller. Um, And I think if they had killed the little girl, um, even Mm -hmm. though it would have been more in fitting with his character, uh, I don't think it would have played well with audiences at all. But again, it was just there to kind of increase the the tension a little bit and they they do this really well they drop little bits like this in just to take away from the action for a moment and give you a beat of tension and I found it really effective because I remember the first time I watched it years ago now I was genuinely really worried for that little girl until you discovered that she had been left alive and I was like oh my god thank goodness for that um but then again back then I was probably a lot less able to read into films watching it now i'd have been like of course i'm not going to kill her this is an action film Um, yeah it's not that
1: kind of movie exactly
0: whereas whereas back when i first watched it i'm like not so sure um and and another way that they it's a bit
1: like danny trio sorry as i can say a bit like danny trio's character the 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 the, um serial rapist yeah and and you know again it's the up the tension is he you know uh, is he going to attack the the female guard? And and we know we know that you know she's going to be you know saved at the last minute and everything like that. But still, like like you say, watching this back in the day or watching it with kind of the you know without having without having the sort of cynicism that maybe you develop when you look back on some of these movies now, yeah, you you do you you get involved and you think oh no I hope she's going to be okay
0: <laughs> yeah no, I, absolutely and. Another, another little bit that they do. I mean, there's something I was going to say earlier When in comparison to Steve Buscemi's character with these hardened criminals. I mean, just look at some of these actors that they've got for this. A two, in, two, two that specifically come to mind is Ving Rhames. Back in the day, that guy was built and he was a scary, what's it? Um, and then you've got uh, Danny Trejo, which you've already mentioned, again, really known for, for being the, the typical Mexican tough guy. And you've got M.C. Ganey, who's a, a absolutely enormous. Um, and, and another one which was nice to see is uh, Nick Chinland, which the last time I remember seeing him was in some god awful film with uh, Mila Jovovich and. Um, Ultraviolet, I think he was the main bad guy for that. But you know, these guys back in the 90s is like, damn, they got every mm. scary dude that they could find from the 90s and put them in one plane, which was very cool to see. And then, yeah, Steve Buscemi <laughs> walks on. It's like, really, this is the guy that everybody's frightened of. Uh, it was and
1: John and John Elkovich
0: as well, as, oh, as yeah.
1: sorry. I mean, I think I mentioned it went by he. Yeah, he just plays that part so well, kind of the, you know, the, the, he, he has a plan, he's obviously incredibly, um, uh, incredibly intelligent, um, but has this nasty streak to him um, that, yeah, he, he certainly sets himself above the other villains of the, the piece, because um, you kind of, it's one of those movies where you're kind of partly rooting for them. <laughs> um, because you know they've managed to pull off this this you know essentially it's like a sort of a I guess a, almost a heist um, from from their perspective, you know from the, the criminals perspective um, but yeah and 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 provides kind of the I think he he does provide the a good antagonist against uh, Cameron Poe um, for him to face off against and of course they they do face off against oh, face off pun. <laughs> um, against Another each nick other but it's, always, it's always a thing i always think if you're going to if there are two nick cage movies that you have to choose between as to which you think is better it's, it's between face off and con air
0: Ooh, um, anyway, a, whoa, that's, whoa whoa that's whoa whoa i i will fight you on this one i think the rock which was a year before con air was a solid film
1: Yeah, to be fair, okay, so we've got a third in the mix there. Yeah. If you're talking about action,
0: because obviously Nick Cage won Oscars, as well, an Oscar, um, for more dramatic roles. But yeah, in in terms of your three Nick Cage action films, I always go back to these three. In fact, I have these three on DVD, um, Con Air, The Rock and Face Off, and I've seen all of them easily over a dozen times each.
1: That's a, that's a trilogy that we need to do as a um, yes. like a movie marathon at some point.
0: Yeah, Definitely. I'm well up for that. <laughs> Especially get the I, other, get the other two guys in here, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll marathon those three. Definitely. There
1: was one thing I was going to mention. Just looking through sort of the cast list and the characters, um, I don't know. Again, I would need to watch this again recently to think about this, and I don't want to sort of sound all kind of like um, I don't know uh, woke but I don't know whether the character of Sally can dance, the sort of cross-dressing um, guy. I don't know whether that has aged very well. I'm trying to think back as to well, whether I was thinking. You know, I yeah.
0: watched Conair again when it came on to Disney plus star, whatever it's called, the, you know, the adult bit. Um, Which, to be fair, Disney had to do. They own Fox now, and Fox has a lot of adult films. So they had to do something with it. Uh, I watched it again recently, um, maybe a few weeks back, uh, in one of the lockdowns. And personally, I don't think it plays very well at all these days. Um, Because, And it's not necessarily a critique of that specific character. But because all of the characters are only surface level then it, it just plays to stereotypes. And these stereotypes come across really badly in a modern day era. Um, but again, you could, I suppose the one saving grace is that you could take that criticism across all of the characters. It's not like they treat any other characters any better, but all yeah. of them are stereotypes. And it's just unfortunate that they have that particular stereotype in this type of film. It's, it doesn't age well.
1: Yeah, because you think Ving Rhames' character is very much played as like the um, uh, kind of black power yeah. um, violent, you know, angry black man. But I don't think there's anything. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't necessarily say there's anything kind of like racial coming across there. It's just purely that these characters are caricatures, yeah. Um, and some of them, some of them have aged better than others, um, shall we say.
0: Definitely. Um, yeah. oh, I completely agree with you there. I think if they had given any of the other characters more depth and insight, and they had left Sally Can't Dance, then it would have aged far worse. But because they treat mm. pretty much all the characters the same as just surface level, um, it has just aged moderately badly, because it's nothing more than a stereotype. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and again, that's it. This film is not interested in character development. It's interested in getting from one set piece to another. What can we blow up this time? And and yeah, how cool exactly. can we yeah, and, and how cool can we blow it up, you know? How big an explosion can we make? And that's Jerry Bruckheimer all over.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing you expect yeah, yeah. from
0: a Bruckheimer production.
1: And, and you do you do have all of it that you yeah, you've got you've got people getting again action, you've got people getting shot and stabbed and set on fire and yeah, you know, there is quite brutal action in it probably doesn't play as as uh as i don't know uh as intensely as maybe people would think maybe back in the day i, I don't know I, I guess we're probably a bit more desensitized to to violence in movies now but yeah but you you've, you've got you've got then you've got helicopter gunships and yeah. and then obviously the huge dramatic finale of crashing into the vegas strip um and yeah, and then a fight on a fire engine, which, of course, is exactly where you would expect the movie to, to go.
0: And why not? <laughs> and, and why not? <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. I mean, you and know, I- um,
0: John McClane drops uh, Gruber off of a building um, and you've got uh, Speed, Keanu Reeves' character, Jack... I want to say... It's not Jack Travis. I think it's Jack something. Uh, he decapitates... Um, Dennis Hopper's character whilst they're on top of a subway train. So why not finish this on a fire engine down Vegas Strip? It's, you know, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's just the way you would naturally go. and And, of course, then you have to finish off with a cheesy 90s ballad is it Ah. leanne rhymes oh that's a damn
0: good question i don't know (laughs) i don't know um i'll have have to have a look in the yeah um, we'll have to look at that one whilst you're looking that up i'll um, double check i just wanted to say a a quick something about the actions and, and and the ending as well i think it's probably me growing up in the 90s whereby it's the film is no good if you cannot think of a creative way to off your main villain. And that mm-hmm. stuck with me even to today. After growing up on these action films, it's like, right, what way can we kill our villain at the end? Simple, simply being shot kind of feels like a, a little bit anticlimactic these days, even though there's nothing funny about being shot. So it's like, yeah, okay, can we blow him up? Great. Can we eject him into space? Why not? Throw him off a building? Absolutely. Decapitation, fabulous. Um, And the first time that it kind of hit me was Mission Impossible 3. Mission Impossible 3, you have one of the best bad guys, in my opinion, in the entire series. And how does he get killed? They roll out into a road and he gets hit by a car oh it was you know and and it was at that point that i realized i've watched too much 90s action because there's always a point about okay how are we going to finish this we've had a massive action thing we need to finish it big and i think yeah landing crash landing in vegas strip and then jumping onto a fire engine and having that kind of a chase absolutely brilliant finishes on a high um and it doesn't Doesn't well no, I suppose it does a little bit. Something else that films uh attempted to do a lot these days is you have to see after the fact. I was like, if you take something like Lethal Weapon, whereby you've got a big action set piece at the end, um, and then kind of like the two main characters are just talking to each other and the credits roll. Same with die hard. But no, these days it's like, okay, it's all over, but we also have to show you like the little bit afterwards where all the characters are peaceful and living happy and blah 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 blah. i'm like it kind of finishes the whole thing on a down point and that's something i didn't feel with this there's a tiny bit of that and i think it's kind of moving into that territory because you know you do see the little girl and the bunny uh which gives birth to one of the most iconic um one of the most iconic lines in the action film of all time i said was it don't shoot the bunny it's like, oh, okay, so this is where we're going. All right, who, who wrote this? What is this about? But again, because of the tone of the film and the fact that we're only really interested in the action, uh, it plays really well. Although these days it plays yeah. more for last. But back then I was like, ah, oh, that's really cool. Yeah.
1: I think it's the action movie equivalent of uh, They Lived Happily Ever After.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the,
1: the villain has to, has to die gruesomely and the hero walks off into the sunset with, yeah. the, with the heroine. Um, and, and that's 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 how it has to end and if it ends any other way then really it's a it's a bit of a letdown let's be honest. yeah and, that's what and it feels like it, and I think it was Leanne Rhines. I did a quick bit of uh, internet research there. Um, but yeah yeah that's 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 got to be the way of it. Um, and, and of course then but then you know without uh, it's not a massive spoiler but there is the nice little there is that nice little mini twist at the end. Uh, with um, uh, Steve Buscemi's character, uh, as to what's going to end up, what's going to happen with him. So, yeah, uh, I, I guess, and and to that point, you know, there there is there, there's humour throughout. Um, it is it is very much um, not taking itself seriously um, in in many instances. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the. The, the The actors or you know they're playing playing the characters sort of very sincerely because you you have to you have to go full tilt on this um, and lean into it um, and one of the bits I, I always remember enjoying was the um when um, Nick Cage's character dumps the body out of the the plane <laughs> that he yeah. um, he obviously hit to get rid of and there's a body smashed into the windscreen of the car down below um, uh, yeah. Uh, it's just this, this just stupid, slapstick kind of,
0: yeah, human but, but, but it's yeah. such, it's so in fitting with the film. That's the thing. As like, yeah, and and they get the phone call. And it's like, hey, there's there's a body on the freeway, uh, and I think it's Cusack's character that they call. He's like, why do I want to know that? It's like because it's got your name written on it. I was like, okay, <laughs> um, and but again, it's 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 comical. It's mildly clever ish i mean you know he writes he writes the guy's name on a dead body a guy that he killed sorry he killed a guy that um nick cage killed earlier in i think it was in self-defense wasn't it and yeah um, and he has I to drop was, him out of the plane yeah. i i forget if it's self-defense or whether he got now he got caught up in the um Oh, in he gets Lewis. caught in the land. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, trying to think it. it's Dave Chappelle's
1: character gets caught up in the yeah. landing gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> There's so many st- st- stupid deaths. And and then to, to add uh, to add into this, the again, one of my favorite things about sort of nineties um, action movies is the electric guitar in the soundtrack. Yeah. It's literally like they're like, Can we we need the cheesiest, most you know, just screaming electric guitars that we can possibly get. Um and oh it just adds so much to just the overall cheesiness of it. That 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 original score is just
0: oh it's great. Nice. I mean it's yeah, it's Oh, I've used the analogy before. I always go to food analogy. It's it's hamburgers, it's chips, it's sweets. There's no there's no fruit and veg here. It you when you're watching Conair, you know what you're in for. Switch your brain off, have a good time. Don't overthink it, um, because you know again, this situation probably would never occur because even the way yeah. that they escape is ridiculous. Um, somebody's got. Uh, a little bag that they've they've put in their stomach and they vomited up and inside is you know the tools that they use to escape with i'm like "Mm, not sure that would happen um fairly certain security is going to be a bit tighter than that and again cole Meany's character puts an agent on the plane and they even have this this discussion about no guns no guns no guns and then just before he gets on the plane, the, the agent that they're trying to put in there, um, Cole Meany slips him a gun that he puts in his pocket, in his uh, sock. And and lo and behold, that's the gun that they use to take over the plane with. It's like you've literally just inserted this character, Cole Meany's character, um, to play the idiot and to allow the plot to progress. But it, it works. Yeah. I love it. I love watching John Cusack basically, you know, verbally spar this guy throughout the whole film they don't get on and it's fantastic
1: and there's there's one bit that always makes me laugh which um and is uh, the character um cameron poe's buddy the guy that needs the insulin so yeah the uh, Bubba,
0: ba- baby oh or Bubba oh
1: yeah,
0: yeah yeah and he <laughs> there's that bit
1: where he's he's been shot and he says something like i'm just thinking maybe there's not a God, maybe he doesn't <laughs> know. Like, oh, it's just so, like, on the nose. Of like, what do people talk about when they're dying? Ah, oh, the light, the, I can see the lights. They were, it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: so like, okay, stupid. this is your big dramatic pitch. Ha- you know yeah. ham it up as much as you can it's like because yeah. this is literally as dramatic as the film is gonna get
1: yeah and <laughs> i think that moment precedes the moment that then nick cage walks towards the bad guys gets shot in the arm and carries on he just walking keeps walking <laughs> yeah he terminates out it's like what
0: you yeah. <laughs> just took a bullet to the shoulder you're not walking forward mate <laughs>
1: yeah yeah <laughs> oh Unstoppable it's fantastic. Horse. Yeah. Right. I think we're I think we're really we 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 treading on uh, um, recommendation
0: yeah. uh, time I mean, really <laughs> this is it i mean we we could do we we could do all sorts about trivia and different set pieces and how they put it all together but honestly you may as well just go to the internet and research it yourself um at the end of the day i think one of the reasons that we keep going for, for these low hanging fruit is because there isn't actually an awful lot in this two hours it is exactly as you said sam it's one mm. set piece strung together to another one to another one everything in between is almost immaterial it's just about h- how can we get to this um yeah. but you know and you, i think some of the, again uh, this is this is heading towards uh sort of recommendation
1: territory but i think I I don't know if any, you experience this sometimes, but sometimes you you sort of have in your mind like the whole premise of the pod podcast is you know you've got one chance to watch a movie in a week. Maybe it's your Saturday night, and sometimes you get there and you just don't have the mental energy to try and think about you know do I want to watch this Oscar worthy movie or do I want to persuade you know my partner to to watch this with me, and and you kind of just think oh well what should we do should we end up watching I don't know rewatching an episode of Friends or something for me this is one of those movies where you could go should we just stick should we stick this on yeah let's, let's, <laughs> let's watch let's watch this again and actually and and so from that perspective it's kind of one where I could quite happily say to someone if you're not in the mood to think <laughs> then this is like this is like as you said it is low-hanging fruit in so many ways <laughs> it is a switch your brain off and just enjoy the uh the roller coaster ride
0: Absolutely. And this is it. They don't... I'm going to sound old now, but they don't make films like this anymore. And I really wish they would. But I'm not entirely sure how well it would do at the box office, because people... A, I don't think people enjoy watching stereotypes on screen anymore. Um, I think there does have to be depth to characters for a modern-day audience to enjoy it. Now, I'm not talking about masses of depth here, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking like every single character has to be well fleshed out with a backstory and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I do think that audiences expect a little bit more from their characters these days. Um, and, and I'm not entirely sure how far these specific stereotypes would, would go and work in a modern audience. Uh, but working okay. on the demographic of this podcast, I mean, obviously, because we we get a chance to have a look at who's listening. Um, yeah, it's,
1: it's it's probably within the 30, 30, yeah. 30
0: 35 year old white men um, <laughs> who specifically listen to this lot, and that that's exactly what we are. So let's let's go from on the recommendations. Go from uh, two points of view. Back when you first watched it, compared to how you did or didn't enjoy it now and would you recommend it for someone who's seen it before and is thinking about revisiting it or somebody and and how you would recommend or not for somebody who's never seen this before if you think it kind of stands up to sam now that i've uh, put down that massive gauntlet go for it
1: it's just it's a double it's a double thumbs up on both accounts Uh, it it, it is a product of its time Um, you're right they don't make them like that anymore um, and I don't think they can. I think it, it is just one of these movies that comes out of that that kind of that period, um, and and it fits it fits so well with that. And and I, I I find yeah that there are there are things about it that maybe don't age as well. But at the same time, it throws me straight back into you know watching this. Certainly not in the '90s. I was probably a bit young for it then. But kind of you know watching it back on on DVD or watching it on on TV, um, and it still has that same um, even with the, the even with the cynicism that i developed over the years um it still has the same result for me um if you haven't seen it before if this you know this you, it's one that you, you you i don't know you see the picture of nicolas cage's long hair and the with the flames in the background or whatever and you think goodness is that really something i want to try 100% you have to give it a watch it is stupid it is loud it's over the top it's on the nose but it's really good fun so yeah it's 100 a recommendation
0: nice and i'm i'm going to do the same it's a double thumbs up for me if you've never seen this film before and you're thinking of watching it because you have disney plus um and you, you know you hear about this film probably in conversation quite a lot if you've got friends who enjoy films because uh, it is one of those from the 90s that people do go on about um then yeah i'd say switch your brain off Just be aware, as Sam said, that it is very much a product of its time. The stereotypes don't play very well these days. They have aged quite badly. But in terms of what you see, the action set pieces, because it's all practically done as much as they can, I think that that has aged really, really well. Um, And if you've not seen it for a while and you're thinking about revisiting it, for me personally, I had as much fun with it as an adult as I did when I first watched it when I was probably a a young teenager. I mean, it was released in 97. I would have been 11 or 12 at that point, so I I wouldn't have watched it then. But, yeah, I remember catching it on VHS, I think it was, when I first watched it. Or it might have been one of these. It was on, um, like, Channel 4 or ITV, you know, when they had those – premieres the first time we've ever shown it even though it's been out on video for two years um (laughs) so i i may have caught it on on tv at some point but yeah i'd I'd still recommend it now i revisited it a few weeks ago when uh disney plus then put on their star service and and i sat there for the full two hours and loved every second of it just as i did when i was a lot younger so yeah double thumbs up from me as well sam awesome good news (laughs) so that has been parents at pictures podcast and we're going to go on to the bit that we always fumble it's the uh it's the where can people find us we've got an an exciting (laughs) in in you know in commerce exciting development on that one as well so sam where can they find us
1: so you can find us on facebook search parents on pictures podcast you can find us on twitter i think we're at parents pictures over there um and uh you will in future i'm not sure whether we're fully ready to launch but you can keep an eye out for the uh the website that we will be uh that we will be launching um in the near future
0: um, and this sure uh, this is the exciting bit because you're absolutely right the website is by no means finished but andy has actually already published it so if you go to parents on pictures uh podcast you you can find the website And it has all of the episodes. And the bit that we're really excited about is that in between these episodes that we record, obviously there's so much material out there that we've also started to do little reviews on things that we've been watching on Netflix. And that's not going to be exclusively films either. It's going to be TV series that we happen to catch and all that kind of stuff as well. So there's going to be an absolute wealth of material that we're just going to keep adding to and building over the months and hopefully years to come um because you know most podcasts don't see it past episode eight and we are up into i think this is our 24th 26th episode something like that and so we're just happy that we can keep doing it so yeah keep an eye on the website it's going to be cool and we'll just keep adding to it over time awesome fabulous right i've been damien and i've been sam and we will catch you next time bye for now Bye bye